I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, we can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, we're coming up on the end of the year. We've been here for a full year now. Last week was our one-year anniversary episode, episode, I don't know. Uh, But we went through 52 episodes. We're coming back around, and we're coming to the end of the year. Now, I'm not talking about January 1st. Of course, I'm talking about the church year, coming around to the end of the church year. And uh, we're coming up on Christ the King Sunday, which is tomorrow, uh, the very last Sunday of the liturgical year. And then, of course, the new year in the liturgical sense uh, starts on the first Sunday of Advent. So we're coming up on the end of the year here on this episode because tomorrow is the last Sunday in the liturgical year. So we're going to talk some about what it means for Christ to be king. That's going to be, we're, we're skipping ahead to tomorrow's readings today. We're going to do the readings from Christ the King. We're going to do uh, all of our church history readings also from Christ the King. A great reading from Origen later in the show talking about what it means for Christ to be king. Uh, looking forward to it. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be talking with Marlon De La Torre. He's the director of Catechesis and Evangelization for the Diocese of Fort Worth. And we're going to be talking about how to live your faith in your family and to grow as a family of faith, catechesis in the context of the family. It's going to be a great show. You're going to want to stick through the whole thing. Now, if for some reason you've got to get out of the car before you're done here, if for some reason you've got to leave the room where you're you're listening to this, uh, don't worry. Everything is archived. Over at OutsideTheWalls.com, you can find all of our previous shows and you'll be able to find this one as well. Share it around. Let all your friends know about it. And uh, maybe it'll have something they need to hear, and maybe we'll gain some new listeners. I have a little bit of competition for the things that we're going to give away. Uh, We've got a giveaway later in the show. I've got to figure out what it's going to be, but I'm sure by the time we're done, I'll have it figured out, right? That's that's how sometimes sometimes you just have to go on the fly and uh, be a little bit flexible. So... um, We've got a giveaway later in the show. Keep your ears perked up because it could come at any time, and we'll give that away uh, later this week. Okay, so let's, as always, let's start out our time together in prayer. In our reading from Scripture, which today, of course, comes from the, the solemnity happening tomorrow, and then a reading from church history. Let us pray to Christ the King. He is the firstborn of all creation. All things exist in him. May your kingdom come, O Lord. Christ, our King and Shepherd, gather your sheep from every land. Give them pasture and green and fertile meadows. Christ, our Leader and Savior, form all men into your own people. Heal the sick. Seek out the lost. Guard the strong. Call back those who have wandered away. Strengthen those who waver. Gather all sheep into one flock. Judge of all ages, when you hand over your kingdom to the Father, place us at your right hand, so that we may inherit the kingdom prepared for us from the beginning of the world. Prince of Peace, break the weapons of war and inspire the nations with your peace. Christ, heir of all nations, gather humanity and all the good things of your creation into the kingdom of your church 
which your father bestowed on you, so that the whole body of your people, united in the Holy Spirit, may acknowledge you as their head. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Almighty and merciful God, you break the power of evil and make all things new in your Son, Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. May all heaven and earth proclaim your glory and never cease to praise you. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Our readings from Scripture today come from, actually, tomorrow's readings from the Solemnity of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. The first reading comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the Ancient One and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. That reading comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 93. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is king in splendor robed. Robed is the Lord, and girt about with strength. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. And he has made the world firm not to be moved. Your throne stands from of old, from everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. Your decrees are worthy of trust indeed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, for length of days. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Today's second reading, because of course we're pulling this from a Sunday, we have that extra reading, comes from the book of Revelation chapter 1. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us into a kingdom priests for his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming amid the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All peoples of the earth will lament him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. That reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. The gospel today comes from the gospel of John, chapter 18. Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants 
would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. That reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 18. Today's reading from church history comes from a notebook on prayer by Origen, who is a priest. The kingdom of God, in the words of our Lord and Savior, does not come for all to see, nor shall they say, Behold, here it is, or behold, there it is. But the kingdom of God is within us, for the word of God is very near, in our mouth and in our heart. Thus it is clear that he who prays for the coming of God's kingdom prays rightly to have it within himself, that there it might grow and bear fruit and become perfect. For God reigns in each of his holy ones. Anyone who is holy obeys the spiritual laws of God, who dwells in him as in a well-ordered city. The Father is present in the perfect soul, and with him Christ reigns. According to the words, we shall come to him and make our home with him. Thus, the kingdom of God within us, as we continue to make progress, will reach its highest point when the apostles' words are fulfilled, and Christ, having subjected all his enemies to himself, will hand over his kingdom to God the Father, that God may be all in all. Therefore, let us pray unceasingly with that disposition of soul, which the word may make divine, saying to our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Note this too about the kingdom of God. It is not a sharing of justice with iniquity, nor a society of light with darkness, nor a meeting of Christ with Belial. The kingdom of God cannot exist alongside the reign of sin. Therefore, if we wish God to reign in us, in no way should sin reign in our mortal body. Rather, we should mortify our members which are upon the earth and bear fruit in the Spirit. There should be in us a kind of spiritual paradise where God may walk and be our sole ruler with his Christ. In us, the Lord will sit at the right hand of that spiritual power which we wish to receive. And he will sit there until all his enemies, who are within us, become his footstool, and every principality, power, and virtue in us is cast out. That reading today comes from a notebook on prayer from Origen. And Origen is a prime example of the Catholic Church accepting truth in every place that it's found. Uh, Origen is considered to be a father of the church. He lived uh, very early on. He lived in Alexandria, uh, which is around Egypt. Uh, but he's not Saint Origen because some of the things that he taught, many of the things that he taught are very good and excellent and, and are worthy of study. They're offered up to us. Uh, one of the places I have a lot of his material, of course, is in my Verbum library. Uh, and then you can also get it for free, uh, some of his stuff, on uadvent.org. Uh, so he has some very good things to offer to the church, but he also taught some things that are not considered orthodox within the Catholic faith. And so he's not considered a saint. Some of his teachings were actually uh, condemned at one of the councils 
And so there you have it. We have a father of the church who gave us actually a couple of fathers, but Origen is one of them, who gave us some excellent material and excellent things to think about, and yet is not considered a saint. He's not Saint Origen. Now, what he gives us today in this reading is something that's going to inform the rest of our conversation today. And that has to do with this idea of praying for the internal advent of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God would make its presence manifest in our lives and in our spirit, in our uh, expression and understanding of the world. We're not waiting for something external to occur. While we do believe that in the end of all days, Christ will return and he'll return in a very tangible and physical way that we're going to see that prayer that give us the stay our daily bread, that let thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The answer to that prayer happens within us. We let God's kingdom come when we live it out, when we strive for holiness, when we strive to put away those things, those internal enemies of God, our own sin, our desire to sin, those those things that keep us bound up, when we put those things under his feet, not something external, not some external enemy, but those that we have within ourselves, when we subject our own stubborn will to the kingship and lordship of Jesus Christ, then God's kingdom comes on earth. And, and of course, when God's kingdom comes in us, it can't help but come in a very substantial way in our circle of influence. Because we bring the kingdom of God with us everywhere we go. We bring, therefore, the kingdom of God into our families by living the kingdom of God. And so we're not looking for something external to occur. Rather, we're looking for something internal in us to change and be modeled more and more into the likeness of Christ and give our will over to the submission of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. When we come back from this break, we're going to be talking with Marlon Delatora, Director of Catechesis and Evangelization for the Diocese of Fort Worth, about family catechesis. You're not going to want to miss it. Join this conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Catch our archives at OutsideTheWalls.com. A lot more to come. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. we got a great show for you today. We're in studio today with Marlon Delatora. He's the Director of Catechesis and Evangelization for the Diocese of Fort Worth, my new home. Uh, so <laughs> thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you, Tim, for having me. Anytime you drive anywhere, in De- you know, in Tulsa, anytime mm-hmm. I drove anywhere, it was guaranteed to take me 20 minutes. And here it's like two hours. It's no matter two where hours, you go. no matter where you go. <laughs> You could you could be going down the street to the to the grocery store. It's still going to take you two hours. Absolutely, the beauty of North Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so we're uh, we're approaching tomorrow is Christ the King Sunday, mm-hmm. big day, the last day in the last Sunday in the church year, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's this beautiful picture because we have mm-hmm. the the triumph of Christ. Mm-hmm. We've, we've gone through the whole Paschal mystery, and here yeah. we have the the end of all days, the triumph of Christ. Christ is King, mm-hmm. and then next Sunday we. Started all over. It's kind of like Groundhog Day. It is. It is. We started all over again tomorrow with reset button with the anticipation 
at the first Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we go through all of the seasons uh, feeling and experiencing mm-hmm. what the church wants to give us so that we're, you know, if you have mm-hmm. an up year, it's great. But the, yeah. the church still wants you to experience the sorrow of Lent. Correct. If you're having an awful year, if you've had an awful five years, the church still wants you to experience the joy of Christmas, the joy of Easter, the joy of resurrection mm-hmm. and of Christ the King. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love the rhythms that were given absolutely in the church year. And we're talking today with you specifically about how we can experience those rhythms mm-hmm. with our families. Absolutely. Uh, you <clears throat> obviously catechesis and evangelization, mm-hmm. uh, You've been a little bit of everywhere, but yeah. you you have a heart for making disciples sure. of all ages. Yes. So you're in the middle of a, a new project, uh, working on a book. Yeah, I'm working on um, like two particular projects okay. um, with respect to um, uh, catechesis, evangelization, and mm-hmm. the family. Uh, one of them in particular is more based on... Uh, assimilation of prayer. It's a lectio divina based on the catechism. Wow. And the, the aim of that project was to really help people expand on their knowledge, not just of the catechism, but to look at the catechism as a book of prayer, mm-hmm. as a way to really focus on Christ and really bring the family back to a primal mm-hmm. sense of prayer and the rudimentary essence of prayer regarding faith, hope, love in right. terms of the theological virtues, but also help mom and dad identify with their role as mother and father, as caretakers yeah. of their children. And one of the good ways is to look at the model of Alexio Divina, mm-hmm. to meditate, to pray, to meditate again, to contemplate what our Lord is telling us, but also not just in sacred scripture primarily, but the catechism offers that too, because when you look at the catechism, every article is in essence uh, an article of prayer. Mm-hmm. It references God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if we're trying to renew our baptismal call, why not use the catechism as a tool? Well, I'll tell you, as a convert, <clears throat> and I know there are a lot of, uh, of <clears throat> cradle Catholics who, who have experienced the same thing as they've begun to get more involved in their faith. But mm-hmm. as, a, as a convert, for me, um, it's been the catechism has been such a, a a wealth of information and a resource mm-hmm. that, you know, I grew up, I was homeschooled. Um, I was one of those people, right? Oh, hey. And homeschool dad. One of my, one of my mom's <laughs> favorite phrases, it didn't matter if she knew the answer or not. Uh-huh. If I would ask a question, she would say, well, go look it up. Mm-hmm. And this is back when, you know, we actually had the Encyclopedia Britannica on the, on the wall. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm dating myself because now mm-hmm. everyone's on Wikipedia, but exactly. Uh, you know, go look it up, go look it up in the dictionary. How can I look it up in the dictionary if I don't know how to spell it? Well, find it. <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm. So uh, f- for me, when I became a Catholic, I'd have a question and it's, well, go look it up. Mm-hmm. And so there it is. And with searchable tools now, you've yeah. got uh, the catechisms online at the Vatican VA. It's yeah. online at the USCCB website. Mm-hmm. And it's online. Uh, one of the ones that I use the most often, there's a, a church out in Gosh, I don't even know where it is, but St. Charles Borromeo. Yeah. It's, it's down in the Diocese of Biloxi. And they, they yeah. have the whole catechism. They've got it mm-hmm. cross-referenced. It's easier to read than Vatican VA because it's it not is. on that parchment. That's right. Right. And so I use that all the time. You just Google CCC and the nature of your question mm-hmm. and up it pops. Yeah. And so for a parent who may not know how to teach their children the faith, that tool is just it's an excellent tool. Uh, 
But going back to mm-hmm. those people who may not may not know the faith mm-hmm. exceptionally well, yeah. Lexio Divina was a fairly new term to me. Yeah. Um, so talk talk us through just a little bit. Of course, we've done a show in the archives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked with Communities of Prayer founder Tom oh, Grossman yes, yes. about Lexio Divina. But just for those who don't want to go back into the archives mm-hmm. and found it outside the walls. Yeah. Uh, just give us a, a basic outline of what Lexio is, so that they can maybe understand a little bit better about what that catechism Lexio is going to look like? I think the backdrop to Lexio Divina is to take the opportunity to slow down mm-hmm. and to begin to embrace at your leisure, but at your timetable, not only God's word, but in essence, any book or any material that you can use to meditate on. It could be the imitation of Christ. It could be obviously sacred scripture. I've used the catechism to apply that, that model. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Lexio Divina and its first premise regarding the Oratio, the, the first stage is to really place yourself in the presence of our Lord. Take the time to read and meditate whatever article you're reading, whether it is a passage from Jeremiah 12, for example, on Jeremiah's anger towards God and why he has to evangelize people, mm-hmm. for example, and then God's answer in verse 14. Or if you look at Matthew 16 mm-hmm. and you look at uh, Christ conversing with St. Peter and establishing the papacy in Matthew 16, those things once you read them and you read them over again, uh, tend to speak to you. Mm-hmm. They, they are going to open a door that you haven't seen before, and it's aimed at slowing you down. Instead of uh, speed reading mm-hmm. sacred scripture, for example, you're going to really take the time to see how this applies. Right. It's what the church calls the analogy of faith, that everything connects. So the, the oratio, the oration, is very key and laying the groundwork on what you do regarding Lectio Divina. It's it's kind of like the difference between mm-hmm. going to a fast food restaurant and mm-hmm. eating to eat mm-hmm. and then going out on a date and going to a, a nice restaurant that's mm-hmm. going to break the, the, the bank and and eating for the pleasure of eating and for the pleasure of being in someone else's company. Correct. Often we read for the sake of information, right? We're going to go, we're going to read a blog article and yeah. I'm going to be smarter at the end of it. And here it's really a reading for the savoring Correct. and for the... the sitting on maybe a single verse for a while rather Mm -hmm. than getting the whole sense of the whole article. Correct. And then from there, um, as you begin to read and read again, as it calls for, then you begin to contemplate or contemplatio. You you begin to really reference, take to heart, and really Mm -hmm. begin to see how does this apply. Because in essence, what the lecture does is from the Word of God, you're going to look at it, discern, read, discern again, Mm -hmm. and then is it applicable? And so with the catechism, I took it a step further. Okay. Um, what I did was, in light of, the, of what I've put together, I have taken a doctrine, and mm-hmm. I chose at least, I believe, 42 specific doctrines okay. that are universal in light of the hierarchy of truths. Mm-hmm. And what I did was really break those doctrines down. So if you meditate on the Incarnation, what specifically happened in the Incarnation? Mm -hmm. So why is it that in Article 4, 5, 6 in the Catechism, we talk that there are four reasons for the Incarnation, and one of them is to be partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? And so Mm -hmm. what what I did was take that particular article and use the actual language in there to meditate, to contemplate. And then to basically meditate again and then begin the whole process of application and conversion in the Lectio Divina process and look at incarnation as, you know what, we hear the term, mm-hmm. word made flesh, right? body, soul, composite, okay, but 
let's expand on that a little bit more. And the beauty of the catechism, every article has scripture references right. that dive and drive the doctrine. So you're getting two for one. Mm-hmm. You're, and so, and that's what I, that was my approach to help a person understand how this, how the doctrine is driven, how you can meditate and contemplate on it mm-hmm. and really go back to sacred scripture. Now let's take this back to parents and families. Sure, please. Um, I think a lot of parents, they don't know how to, mm-hmm. to really explore the faith with their children. Mm-hmm. Is, is this the kind of thing that they would do as a family and say, well, little Bobby, what, what do you think about God becoming man? Do they do this Lexio as a family or is this something they go and do as parents mm-hmm. that, prepares them mm-hmm. then to interact with their children. Both, way. actually. Uh, I think for the parents, if they want to engage this themselves and really study it ahead of time, they can. Ideally, the way the structure is put together, you can do it as a family right off the bat. Oh, right. And because you have questions for reflection, mm-hmm. you have definitions, and with that, it gives mom and dad the opportunity. If, for example, John has a question, it's like, Mom, I don't quite understand this whole issue of the incarnation and the Eucharist. Can you explain it a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Well, I've got all the references right. where mom and dad can look and really read them off verbatim, even if they have to. Right. All right. And and that will help John understand a little bit better what the incarnation is all about and why it's so significant when we talk about the mass, for mm-hmm. example. Well, the, the beautiful thing about Lexio is that we always have a difficult time praying together as a family mm-hmm. other than just praying at meals and praying at bedtime because mm-hmm. we generally think of prayer as being a very solitary effort. Sure. And, and we don't have the formula mm-hmm. other than the Lord's Prayer or those rote prayers to mm-hmm. pray together as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so between the meditative prayer of the rosary mm-hmm. and then this lectio of meditating as a family together on a single thing and drawing mm-hmm. from one another's perspective, uh, this is a very easy way and you can do it for 15 mm-hmm. or 20 minutes to sit mm-hmm. down with your family, maybe in the evening, mm-hmm. and to have family prayer in a way that you are nourishing the soul, you're mm-hmm. nourishing the spirit at the same time. So when do we expect that this book will be out and Oh, around? gosh, I hope in a year. Um, okay. That's usually the process. That's how long my, my first book took. Okay. And that was published through Tan St. Benedict Press. Um, because you're dealing with copy editing, right. editing, rereading, re-editing, and then typesetting, typesetting, the and then when is the proper time to really shoot it out, for lack right. of a better term, as I like to say, um, for marketing purposes, for selling purposes, all the, all those factors come into play. So I'm hoping maybe the fall okay, uh, for it to come out. I think it'll be a good study for leading to next Christ the King uh-huh. and Advent, ironically enough. But... Um, but that's my hope is hopefully within the year. Yeah. And of course, uh, they can find out more information about you, your writing, and, and everything else over at knowingisdoing.com. Yeah, dot .org. Actually. Dot .org. Yeah. Knowingisdoing.org. Yeah. And yeah, I, I write periodically for New Advent a lot, Catholic right. Mom, Catholic Lane. Um, and so that keeps you pretty busy yeah. for the most part. And then um, just now, whatever I do for EWT on the side. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Marlon Della Torre, the Director of Catechesis and Evangelization for the Diocese of Fort Worth. We're going to talk more about some of his other projects and about family catechesis. Join the conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. I want to know what you think. Pop on over and weigh in on the conversation. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. We're talking today about growing the faith as a family, family catechesis. We're talking with Marlon Della Torre. He's the Director of Catechesis and Evangelization for the Diocese of Fort Worth. This is kind of his bailiwick. Glad to have him in studio. It's a rare treat that we get to have someone face-to-face and eye-to-eye right here. Well, Marlon, thanks for being here today. Well, thank you for having me again. Uh, great to have you here in our palatial studios in Bedford, Texas. Uh, and uh, we're talking about family catechesis. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's breaking up and in, in, into other topics. Mm-hmm. We talked about Lexio in the mm-hmm. last uh, break. If you mm-hmm. missed any part of this, you can find... Uh, this in the archives on OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, but I think one of the things about family catechesis is we live in such a culture that mm-hmm. everything is delegated to the professional. You call the plumber, you mm-hmm. call the carpenter, you call mm-hmm. not just the doctor, but the pediatrician, not just the doctor, but the cardiologist. Mm-hmm. You, you, we have everybody specialized into their corners. And so a parent says, well, the place that my children learn about the faith mm-hmm. is with the experts at church, mm-hmm. even though, you know, all of our catechists are volunteers, just like they are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're just lay people who love the faith, mm-hmm. who are sharing it with their children. Mm-hmm. And Vatican II makes it very clear that the primary educator of the children mm-hmm. is the parent. Correct. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think our task in the church years and mine mm-hmm. is to, to make parents feel confident and comfortable mm-hmm. sharing their story of faith with their kids. And and if they don't feel like they've got a strong story, well, then giving them opportunities to strengthen mm-hmm. their faith so that they can share that mm-hmm. with their children. Absolutely. And, you know, buy a liturgical calendar. There's all kinds. Or go to Catholic.org. You've mm-hmm. got all of the, all the, the saints. saints of the day. You know, yeah. if you just did the saints of the day, and learned about them and talked about them as the family and kind of dug into their story just a little bit. Just that little task, which Mm -hmm. is a very easy research project, five minutes, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. your children would grow so strong Mm -hmm. in the faith. And so my concern, I think, is to help parents find ways Mm -hmm. to catechize their children. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got so many resources in the faith, um, but a lot of people think that they're inaccessible, that they're... They're just for the professionals. They're mm-hmm. just for the catechists. They're just for the priests mm-hmm. and the nuns and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And yet we're all called by virtue of our baptism mm-hmm. to be evangelists. Absolutely. Whether that be at our job and not, not in, not in a Bible thumper kind of a way, uh, but in a authentic joy of faith kind of a way, whether it be in our job, whether it be mm-hmm. with our children, wherever we are to be, witnesses you'll be my witnesses to the other most parts of the earth so talk to us a little bit about what you do there in the diocese and working with the parishes mm-hmm. to help parishes equip parents and maybe give uh, the parents who are listening mm-hmm. a little bit of mm-hmm. or maybe even the grandparents listening a little bit of uh, confidence in their ability to share the faith with their kids i think part of it is what we do with with our parish programs is we're taking a new du- a direction Mm-hmm. on whole family catechesis. Now, that could take on a negative tone mm-hmm. uh, based on the practices of the past right. and how family catechesis was more of a uh, 
I dare not say, but I will say a kumbaya approach. <laughs> Everybody be happy. Uh, Sister Sledge back in the 70s, we are family, and we're mm-hmm. all just going to be happy, dance, and give ourselves a high five. And, and that's not really what whole family catechesis is, is all about. Uh, one of the things that we're doing here in the diocese is to change the shift on how to teach the children. For example, the classroom should not be looked upon as a classroom anymore. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is this, let's eliminate the desks eliminate the chairs. Let's create the atmosphere where they're walking into their journey with Christ. And that's pivotal where you have a sacred space, where you have um, emphasis of the saints, where the children are able to see really an articulated approach to the faith, where as they walk into a classroom, it should have a semblance of their home Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So the home should have a designated area for a Bible, a catechism, corpus or crucifix, uh, maybe a picture of one of the saints, maybe a patron saint of the family, mm-hmm. if they've done their history on the background of their family, something where they can resonate and see on a daily basis. Uh, another aspect that we've done with, with our parish programs is to not be hung on trying to ram information yeah. down someone's throat, especially a child. A child needs activity, mm-hmm. pedagogically, psychologically speaking. Um, their human development depends on it. Mm-hmm. They like to see how things interact, how they work. So if a parent is literally making the sign of the cross, is genuflecting, maybe he's praying on their knees, those are instrumental for any child to see mm-hmm. from a child to a parent and from a parent to a child. Why? Because it is something in action. It's actually lectio dormina in vivo. Right. And well, you know, we've gotten mm-hmm. we've got so many people who we we're nervous that our kids are going to act up in mass. Of course. And so we sit in the back. Yeah. And the first sign of them acting up, we <clears throat> whisk them out and, mm-hmm. and or we don't even worry about it. We put them in the nursery. Sure. You know, I've got five kids yeah. um, and we sit up in the second row mm-hmm. and we would sit in the front row if we if it would hold us. But the way yeah. that our sanctuary and it, there's nobody in front of us, there's they can see everything yes. that goes on. Mm-hmm and their attention is wrapped. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to make a little bit of noise. They're going to move a little bit. Sure. But you know what? You nobody else is going to notice. Mm-hmm. And if they do, well then they need to go to confession. Yeah. Right. And that's and that's quite <laughs> all right. I mean, I've got a I've got a 19-month-old. I've got four kids yeah. and uh 16, 14, uh 10 and uh, 19 months. Yeah. And Gianna, God bless her. I mean, we sit up in front. Mm-hmm. Usually when the first three or four pews and the moment she could conceptualize what right. was happening. She was enthralled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would act up. Yeah, she would pull all the uh, the envelopes <laughs> and throw them in the air. Uh, that, that's that's part of who she is. Uh, but she would always look and say, where's Jesus? Yeah. She'd point to Jesus. What's that's happening? Right. She'd look at the, uh, at the altar. She'd look at Father mm-hmm. celebrating Mass. So she understood there was something going on. And so for those momentary periods of peace right. that we had uh, with her, she would know. Yeah. What is going on? So a, a child, even at 19 months, mm-hmm. is very acutely aware of something that is significantly different, i.e. sacred. Right. They're, they're not immune to that. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we face with parents, that they think that children are immune naturally mm-hmm. from the divine. Quite opposite. Right. We're the ones that are actually more immune to it as we grow and our concupiscence grows. Right. We, we tend to disassociate the divine from our daily tasks. Um, that's what I tell parents. If you want a great way of breaking the barrier and establishing prayer and a sense of, uh, of a deepening of Catholicity, mm-hmm. grab a whiteboard, put it in a prominent place in your house and write on the whiteboard prayer intentions 
and put a line of demarcation on one side. This is what I'm praying for on this side. This is why I aspire to be. Oh, wow. That's great. And it's something that I've really stressed with parents when I do workshops on, on the seven steps to effectively evangelize a family. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not asking you to be theologians. I'm asking you to be holy, yeah. to be servants to your children mm-hmm. because they in turn then will serve you. Then the, that temptation to yell at them right. will dissipate because yeah. they'll see what this is going on, how it's going on, why they love you, why you love them. So the whiteboard idea is something I came up with a long time ago. I use it in my office with my staff. Mm-hmm. And at first, people were like, well, who are you to butt into my prayer life? <laughs> and I'm like, well, what are you saying, that I'm bad? It's like, no, I'm saying that I want to pray for you. Right. And then I'm going to offer up all these intentions every at a mass once a week. Mm-hmm. Eventually, now I have to buy a larger whiteboard because right. I can't keep all the intentions. It's something as simple as that to really bring focus to the family yeah. for mom and dad. One of the things we do, and it's it's really a blessing for our mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. as they prepare for Mass, and mm-hmm. it's a real blessing for mom and dad, mm-hmm. uh, is we've established that going to Mass is different than going to anything else. Absolutely. And so when they get in the car... They have to begin preparing themselves for mass. They're not allowed to talk on the mm-hmm. way to mass, which mm-hmm. means that mom and dad, we get a, a quiet five, 10 minutes where we have our conversation mm-hmm. and kind of decompress ourselves. They have to be quiet because they're preparing for mass. It's, Amen. But the first on the way out the neighborhood, mm-hmm. we as a family, we pray the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, the Oh My Jesus, yes. the um, uh, the Hail Holy Queen in the St. Michael prayer. Yeah. And by the time we get through those six prayers, we're at the end of the neighborhood and we're ready to go wherever it is we're going. Yeah. Uh, whether we, and we do that every time we go to mass or mm. anytime we go on a long trip. Yeah. And so that does a couple of things. One, it establishes that this is a different activity mm-hmm. than anything else we're doing. Mm-hmm. And the, the, se- the second thing that it does is it teaches our children those prayers. Yes. And, and you know, they're not going to get it just by going to the one hour to Sunday school. No, it's a perpetual continual right. application of the faith. See, we, we pray the rosary going to mass. Mm-hmm. That's our way of, of setting the stage for them. Because when you look at the mysteries of the rosary, I mean, they're all based on Christ right. himself and his salvific uh, journey for us. So, uh, and really they know the moment we walk in and we yeah. get into the car. All right. This is a significant day, right? This is a day above any other day. And they begin to really press themselves because we have a rule, no, any, no form of electronic on okay. Sunday, especially until after noon. And, and, and that's a rule that we keep because keep everything sanctified. Right. Because it's c- crucial for them. And no one can do anything until after they eat and after we've had our, our, mm-hmm. our, our Lord's Day meal. And then we go on from there to our daily day. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of parents think, oh, gosh, you don't know my kids. That would never work. Yes, it does. But kids do what they're expected to do Mm -hmm. when you have a consistent expectation. Absolutely. Uh, Kids are resilient, Mm -hmm. good and bad. (laughs) Right. And uh, we tend to forget, well, you know, if you give them the opportunity, they'll, they'll come through for you. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more. We've got about eight minutes left after this break. We're talking about evangelizing the family from within the family. We're talking with Marlon Delatora, the Director of Catechesis and Evangelization for the Diocese of Fort Worth. Join our conversation over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. I want to know what you think. Tell me some of the practices you do in your family. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls. 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. We're talking about, well, in general, we're talking about evangelizing the family, but uh, we're really taking some very specific steps. Um, we talked in the first segment about Lexio Divina. We talked in this last segment about creating sacred space in prayer. Uh, and now we're talking, of course, with Marlon Delatora. Uh, the Director of Catechesis and Evangelization for the Diocese of Fort Worth. You have spent most of your career, as, mm-hmm. as I've looked at it, uh, looking at creative ways to catechize. Yes. Your mm-hmm. your first book, the last book out with Tan Books and St. Benedict Press, is Screwtape it, it Teaches, Teaches the, the Faith. faith yes. Uh, and, of course, that that's referencing the Screwtape Letters, mm-hmm. which was a book by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm where you had these two fictional demons mm-hmm. writing letters, but you only read the letters one way because, of course, yes. they were collected somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so you've, you've got this older demon telling the younger demon how to keep that person from growing in their faith. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of that reverse uh, psychology is. look at catechesis. So talk to us a little bit about your book and, and where that came from. Well, I mean, uh, when I was a Catholic high school principal, in the Diocese of Memphis, Tennessee, I had a sophomore religion class, and the topic of uh, Satan and sin concupiscence came up. And so a long time ago, I always had this thought, I want to use screw tape to my advantage. Yeah. Now, before you go any further, yeah, uh, I know that there are some of my people who are listening today who, yeah. ha- who are getting hung up on that word concupiscence. Yes. Give us a real quick five five penny definition. Five penny basically, it's the the temptation to commit sin, the oh. inclination to want to commit sin. So we're talking about Romans seven, where, where yes. Paul says, "I do the things, things that I, I don't, don't want, want to, to do, do, and I don't do the things that I, I want to do, but I still do them anyway." Right. Yeah. And uh, so that for teenagers is basically a, a part and parcel to their identity. Right. Because they're they're always put in that situation where you know what I shouldn't, or they would ask Mister D, "How far can I go before?" It's called a sin, and so I, I took the uh, the book Screw Tape and I asked all the, I asked the entire class, "How would you like it if you could you would could debunk the devil?" They all raised their hand. Let's go for it. Yeah, and so that became the genesis for the book. So we took articles from the Catechism. I cross referenced them to each book mm-hmm. in Screw Tape letters, and what it ended up being was a year long study of Screw Tape and the Catechism. By huh. the end of the year. This sophomore class knew that catechism inside out and how to deal with the dialogue from screw tape to wormwood. And really, it became a fascinating point for because a lot of the kids who weren't going to confession started going to confession on a monthly yeah. basis. They started participating in mass. Even one father, I'll tell you this, one father came to me afterwards and he told me, what are you doing to my son? Huh. And he said, well, why? It's like, he's asked me to go to confession. He wants me to take him to confession and he wants me to be there with him. What are you doing to my son? Was and he so, happy or was he upset? Well, he was, he was upset at first <laughs> because his son was basically on fire. Yeah. He saw how the devil works. He realized that I don't have to be a slave to sin. Right. And that I have more to go by by following Christ than anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was hoping for for our students, that they would right. see the difference between good and evil. They would understand that Lucifer is based on a false paradigm. Right. And if, if you see that clearly, then practicing your faith is not all that bad. Right. And in essence, that's what, how the book came to be. Uh, it's become a very good source for me. Uh, it's helped a lot of parents with their children. And that was my aim. Yeah. Is for mom and dad 
to read the book with their child or vice versa and see, look, you can do this. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be, be a slave to sin. And if we can have fun with this, why not? I mean, who says we can't have fun in trying to outwit the devil? Not that we could per se, but hey, you know what? At least we grow more in our faith by learning this journey. You know what? I've, I've just decided I'm going to give away a copy of that book this week. Okay. Um, so we got to find out a way to give it away. So I'd like to do a trivia question. Sure. Something that just pops to your mind that you think that they can find easily either in a church document or in the catechism or just something that's easily accessible to find the answer if uh, if they don't yet know it. All right. Well, how about a church document? Okay. Uh, any church document that references just the family and the parents as the primary educators of their children. Uh, I okay. think, and you can look it up at the Vatican website. Uh, but Google, any, Google's Google, your friend. Google's yeah. your friend. You'll find anything on there. So, yeah, any document of the church that you can find that references the family would work. Okay. Any any one of them. There's a, there's yeah. a few that do it. But if you will comment on uh, and give it the hashtag knowing is doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. No, hashtag we'll knowing is doing. We'll get you a book. Uh, and so you go ahead and tag me at Outside the Walls if you're on Twitter or step outside the walls if you're on Facebook. Hashtag knowing is doing. And then let me know what church document, what thing, official document from, from the Vatican uh, references the family as and the parents as the primary mm-hmm. educators of their children. Well, we've got just a little bit of time left. So do you have any parting thoughts that you want to give us before we run out? I think for mom and dad, pray for your children. Mm-hmm. I encounter a lot of parents when I, that don't, ironically enough, when I ask them, do you pray? It's like, well, not really. So you should. Yeah. That's when I bring up the whiteboard mm-hmm. and the prayer intention board. So, you know what? Start praying for your children. And I tell them, have you ever, do you ever celebrate their baptism day? Yeah. You should. What about a feast day in honor of their namesake, mm-hmm. a saint? Uh, those things resonate with the child because they look forward to those. It becomes more of their Catholic identity. Mm-hmm. And I tell parents, view the world through a Catholic lens, not a secular one. Right. We view, the, we view the world through our faith. We don't view the faith through our world. Exactly. I mean, I tell my children, I want you to engage the world. May your faith always be part and parcel and be prominent mm-hmm. in engaging the world because I don't want you to be ashamed and there will be hardships, there will be challenges, but yeah. in the end, your faith will sustain you. You know, there's so many things, and, and good things, that vie for our attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids' sports, kids' activities, school plays, mm-hmm. everything else that we could possibly do for mm-hmm. our kids. But if we want our kids to stay in the faith, and most parents, mm-hmm. if you say, do you, when your kids grow up, do you want them in the faith? They're going to say yes. Of course. If we want our kids to remain in the faith, it has to be more than a Sunday endeavor. Yes. It's got to be something that permeates mm-hmm. our life. And all of the things we do, mm-hmm. we do as a people of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, it's not that we are um, these secular people and we, we go to Mass. Yeah. We're a Catholic people and we are participants in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Tim, thank you. It's been an honor. Great to have you here. You can find out more information about Marlon at knowingisdoing.org. If you missed any part of this show and want to share it, that's outsidethewalls.com. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.